Welcome to Master Your Relationship Mind Drama. Teaching you how to manage your mind so that you can create relationships you love. And now, here's your host, certified relationship coach and expert in all things love, friendship and mind drama, Rebecca Orr. Hi guys, how is everybody doing today? I hope you're all having amazing weeks and that you're excited for your weekends. I'm actually having my bridesmaids over tomorrow to try on bridesmaid dresses, which I am so, so excited about. We're having those infinity dresses. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're the kind that you can style into loads of different ways and basically look like different kinds of styles of dresses. So we're going to have some fun trying to work out what pieces go where and how to make the dresses look really good, but I'm sure we will manage it. And other than that, I'm excited to just have a really relaxing, chilled weekend because I just don't feel like I've had a lot of those recently. (laughs) So I hope that you have some nice relaxing plans as well. And for today's episode, we're talking about the opposite of relaxing, which was a very interesting sidestep for me getting to the point of this episode, I know. But today's episode is all about what you can do when you feel triggered. And I want to start off by saying, I don't mean triggered in the clinical PTSD sense. I'm not a clinical psychologist. I'm a mindset coach. I'm a relationship anxiety coach. So when I use the word triggered, I mean when you feel a sudden negative emotion about a current event or circumstance. So I just wanted to clear that up. If you suffer from PTSD or trauma in any way, I definitely recommend you seek support from a therapist or a psychologist that specializes in that, that can really, really help you with those symptoms. So what I'm talking about is when you're going about your day, something happens and you feel this very sudden feeling of a negative emotion like anxiety or frustration or insecurity. Maybe your partner brings up a holiday that they went on with their ex or your mum makes a comment about your weight or your friend tells you that they've been hanging out with this person that you really don't like (laughs) and suddenly you're filled with overwhelming negative thoughts and feelings. You just feel kind of blindsided by them. And this topic is a really important one because a lot of my clients, when learning this work, find it really easy in hindsight to understand their thinking and where their thoughts were maybe leading them astray. And they're even practicing new intentional ways of thinking regularly. But then when something happens and their old thought patterns, their old insecure thoughts pop back up and they feel triggered, they tell themselves that they've taken a step back. And that was actually something a member of my group coaching program said to me this week. He said he'd been doing really well and he'd been using the tools and then he'd had a moment of insecurity and anxiety and he believed that that meant he was now back at square one, which of course is never the case because as long as you have a human brain, you are going to get triggered sometimes. And what I mean by that is as long as you have a human brain in your skull, (laughs) it is going to sometimes offer you thoughts that create a strong negative emotion that is going to feel a little overwhelming and come out of the blue. That is just what being a human is about. So if any of you are doing this work and really working on changing your mindset, the last thing I want any of you to do is make being triggered and make having a negative thought and feeling mean that you are doing it wrong or going backwards. These are just the moments where you get to step in and use the tools that you're learning to navigate that experience and come to a more intentional way of thinking. It doesn't mean you've gone wrong. It doesn't mean you've taken a step backwards. It's actually your time to shine, so to speak. 
And one of the first things I want to talk about is one of the biggest mistakes that I see people making when they're triggered. So a lot of my clients from both my group coaching and my one-on-one program, and of course myself, I am my first client after all, um, I did this a lot when I first learned this work, it impacts a lot of us, and that is we try to frantically change our thoughts when we feel a negative emotion. So something happens, and we have a bunch of thoughts about it, and we feel maybe anxious or angry or frustrated or insecure, and then we think, oh, my thoughts create my feelings. All I have to do is change my thoughts and I can feel better. Quick, let's change them, ASAP, let's do something about this. And then we'll feel this urgent rush to escape the feeling. Because as I've said many a time on this podcast, we don't like feeling negative emotion. We're biologically programmed to try to avoid it and escape it. So when we feel negative emotion in our day-to-day life, we're hardwired to want to do something to immediately relieve it or escape it. And it's more obvious when we're doing that in an unhelpful way. Maybe when we feel anxious, we automatically want to down a bottle of wine to numb the emotion. Or maybe you want to ask your partners again for the third time that day if they definitely still love you. We can kind of see that those are maybe not so useful ways to respond to our emotions. But the thing is, rushing to frantically change your thought using these tools is also not helpful. Because when you're in a rush to change your thought so that you can change your emotion, you're still resisting feeling that emotion. You're still trying to escape it. And you'll all have heard of the phrase that whatever you resist persists, (laughs) which is really true here. If you're resisting the emotions in your body, they're not going to quietly go away and simmer down. No. They're going to persist and they're actually going to grow in intensity and feel much worse. So being in a rush to escape the feeling that's being triggered is the biggest mistake I see people making. And if you're doing this in a different way, maybe you're not trying to change your thoughts frantically. Maybe you're trying to escape the emotion by calling your partner five times or asking a bunch of your friends for reassurance or going and stalking that person's Instagram or that person's ex's Instagram account, whatever it is, whatever action you're taking, just consider, am I trying to escape having this emotion right now? And if so, remind yourself that that isn't actually going to help. Another reason that rushing to change your thoughts when you're triggered won't help is because your rational thinking brain is not online. When we're triggered and we're feeling that fight or flight, that intense emotional response, it's being driven by our primitive brain. So that's the oldest part of your brain and it's in charge of all your emotional impulses. It isn't like the prefrontal cortex, which is the rational part of the brain that's in charge of reasoning and logical thinking. So trying to do thought work and challenge your anxious thoughts when your primitive brain is mid-meltdown and your nervous system is very activated, is not going to work. Because the rational part of your brain that is needed for that kind of thinking is offline. I remember talking to a coach once who described this in such a good way. She said, it's like trying to have a conversation when the smoke alarm is going off. Thinking of your primitive brain and its thoughts, like the smoke alarm screaming at you, trying to rationally talk when that is going off in the background is pointless. It's not going to hear you. So in order to bring the rational thinking part of our brain back online so that we can begin to think about the situation in a more logical way, we have to change the way that we respond to ourselves when we're triggered. So if you're not going to rush to escape the sensations or try to argue with your primitive brain, what should you do instead? Well, the first thing is to notice and acknowledge what is happening. For example, literally saying to yourself, I'm having a lot of thoughts right now that are creating a lot of emotions. I'm feeling anxious right now. I'm feeling angry. 
I'm feeling this emotion because of sentences in my mind and that's okay. Doing this positions you as an observer of what is happening and most importantly it breaks the cycle of you just instantly responding to the sensations and the trigger and believing the story that your brain is telling you. The second thing you want to do is normalize the fact that this is happening. What most of us tend to do when we're feeling triggered is instantly believe our brain's interpretation and believe that the alarm going off means that we are in danger and that there is a threat. So we jump to believing, oh my God, something bad is happening. What I'm thinking here must be true. This is all going terribly wrong. We start to panic. But again, let's think about you being triggered as like a smoke alarm going off. Your brain will sound that alarm as if the entire house is on fire, when really it's just some burnt toast. So we don't need to freak out and panic. We don't need to be surprised. And this is another thing that a lot of my clients do. We'll have been working on a certain thought pattern for a couple of sessions. And then when something happens and their brain repeats that same thought to them, they're completely shocked. (laughs) Even though it's exactly what we've been coaching on for the last few sessions, they're completely shocked that their brain is saying it to them again. And I'm not laughing at my clients here. Me too. I do this exact same thing. But we have to stop being shocked when our brains repeat their favorite thoughts to us. If your brain has a habit of telling you that your partner is cheating on you, that they don't really care about you, or that people are mad at you, the last thing you want to be is surprised when it says that. Because then you start taking it super seriously and like a reflection of true reality instead of what it is, which is just your brain's favorite anxious story, its default thought that it loves to offer you. So this is why we have to normalize the fact that we're triggered. You could say things to yourself like, this is my brain's favorite anxious story. It makes sense this is being triggered right now. Here anxious Annie is again. That was what I used to call my anxious brain, anxious Annie. So you see, instantly by doing this, you're placing yourself again as the observer of the trigger. Instead of being swept up by it, you're just noticing it. And I did an episode on thought diffusion a few episodes ago. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. And one of the things I mentioned on that was saying to yourself, I'm having the thought and then saying the thought, or I notice my brain is telling me, whatever it is. Again, when you do this, you're observing the fact that you're having thoughts and feelings, which creates some distance between you and them. And part of this normalizing step can include you being compassionate to yourself. I remember once when our smoke alarm went off, our real smoke alarm in our house, not as in my alarm in my brain. And me and my fiance knew it was just because we'd burnt something in the kitchen. There was no big deal. There was no fire. But my cat, bless her heart, was beside herself. She looked so alarmed and she was running around frantically and she was so confused and so scared. And that's kind of how you might automatically feel when you are triggered. Just like my cat, you feel overwhelmed, scared, unsure what to do. So offering yourself some compassion and kind words in that moment is so important. Saying things to yourself like, it's okay, I know you're feeling scared right now. These are just thoughts creating feelings. Nothing has gone wrong. Just like I tried to tell my cat that we weren't all about to die. I don't think she understood me, but hey, I tried. (laughs) Okay, so let's recap with where we're up to. So far, we've covered noticing the facts that you're triggered. So acknowledging that that is what's happening, acknowledging the feeling. Then step two, we're normalizing it, we're not freaking out. Then we move on to the most important step of all the steps, and that's feeling the emotion. And I can almost hear you groaning and rolling your eyes as I say this. Why, Rebecca? I hate this feeling, it's horrible. Or maybe you're thinking, I feel it enough, thank you. I don't need to feel it anymore. But let me remind you, 
that sitting and having an emotion while spiraling in the thoughts or wishing that the emotion will go away or desperately trying to think your way out of it and solve it and escape it, that is not feeling an emotion. Because what is it? You guessed it. It is resisting having the emotion. And when you're resisting the emotion, you're making it 10 times worse. So what you're experiencing right now when you think that you're feeling your emotion is likely what it feels like to resist the hell out of it, not feel it. And those are two very different things. So what do I mean by feel your emotion? What I mean is give your brain a break from all of its many thoughts for a moment. You can promise yourself that you'll go back to them later. But for a moment, put all your attention onto your body and where you can feel the sensations. Where are they? Just locate them. Are they in your chest? Are they in your stomach, your throat, your arms? Just notice where they are. Then get really curious about how the sensations actually feel. Imagine for a moment that you're just an observer of them. Maybe you're a scientist whose job it is to study what anxiety or frustration or insecurity feels like in the body. So just watch the sensation and try and describe it to yourself. Is it hot or cold? Is it somewhere in between? Is the sensation moving? Is it pulsating or is it totally still? Is it a heavy sensation or is it light? Does it feel tight and restricting or is it loose? Imagine you're describing it to someone who's never felt anxiety or whatever the emotion is before. An alien, perhaps. Does it have a texture? Sometimes when I feel anxiety, I imagine that it's like a blade stuck in my chest or a pile of heavy books on my chest. So try and imagine it. Does it remind you of a certain object? Does it have a color? Just stay present with the sensation, noticing it and observing it without any judgment, without trying to get rid of it. Then, with every breath, I want you to imagine that you're relaxing around the sensation. You're making room for it. This is exactly what I imagine when I have anxiety in my chest. I imagine that with each breath, my chest is expanding to make a little space around the sensation. It's giving it some room. I'm not tensing up against it. I'm not trying to get rid of it. I'm totally allowing it to be there. And this is the key thing here. Mentally being willing for the sensation to be there as long as it needs to. If you do these steps while thinking, okay, if I just do this for 10 minutes, I can make this go away. You are still resisting it. And I know because that's exactly what I used to do when I first learned all about this. I used to try and do the processing emotions technique for five minutes in the hopes that my anxiety would go away. But that, my friend, is still resisting it. So do this with the only agenda of making peace with the sensations being there. Sit and repeat the steps for as long as you want to or feel that you need to. And what you should start to notice is your body will feel calmer. The sensations will likely change. Maybe they'll get smaller. They may even dissipate completely. Because instead of being resisted, they're being allowed to be there, to rise, peak and dissipate within you. And I like to talk to myself while I do this and say to myself, this is just anxiety. It's okay that it's here. These are just sensations of anxiety. Nothing's gone wrong. Which really helped me to stop resisting them and just make space for them. And most importantly, what this does is calms your nervous system down enough for your prefrontal cortex, remember the rational thinking part of your brain, to come back online, which then allows you to actually use some of the thought work tools that we talk about a lot on this podcast. And granted, if you're live in the middle of a situation with someone, you may not be able to grab a pen and paper and do this. I understand that. 
but you can still consider the steps though and work through it a little bit in your mind. You can also return to these steps afterwards to clean up your thinking around the situation in hindsight, which is really, really important because it means that you can learn something about your brain and get awareness and plan ahead for the next time something similar happens. So this is where you can then move on to step four, which is separating out the facts of what has happened from your thoughts about them. Remember, your primitive brain is a meaning-making machine. It loves to attach meanings to all the circumstances that happen in your life, which leads it to often jump to conclusions. And it's often driven by fear. It's obsessed with your safety and protecting you from negative emotion. And so it thinks in very black and white terms, offering you unhelpful thoughts a lot of the time, but presenting them as if they're facts. And when you already have some anxious and insecure beliefs and fears, your brain is going to be constantly looking for evidence to prove them true. And so it's going to automatically jump to those conclusions in a lot of circumstances where it isn't actually happening or needed. So really consider, what are the neutral facts here? And I'll use an example here from one of my one-on-one clients. Her partner was on a night out and she'd asked him to text her when she got in. But when she woke up in the morning, there was no text message from him on her phone. So she felt instantly triggered. Her brain instantly jumped to the story that he must have done something bad. He cheated on her. Maybe he wasn't even at home. Maybe he was in someone else's bed. This really anxious, terrifying story. So coming back to the neutral facts is important. It's 7am and there was no text from my boyfriend since 10pm last night. Those were the facts very neutral. There's no anxious story in there. There's no speculation. There's no opinion. There's just the facts. Everything else in that moment is an anxious story. There's no proof of it. And again, this is where normalizing is so key. Because being cheated on was a very real fear for my client, it was something that her brain obsessively thought about all the time, it made perfect sense that her brain would jump to that conclusion. It's the biggest threat that her brain is obsessed with detecting and protecting her from making it normal that her brain would see a lot of circumstances through that lens. So once you've separated the facts from your brain's anxious story, it's time for step five, which is challenging the thoughts. So ask yourself these questions and feel free to pause in between each question and jot them down in your notes on your phone or on a piece of paper so that you can come back to them later. Why am I choosing to make it mean that? Is that a fact? How might this not be true? What else could be true? What is my brain not considering here? What evidence is my brain ignoring that could suggest that this isn't true? What could be going on for the other person that I've not considered? What might their thoughts and feelings be? Or what might they have been if it's in the past? How is thinking this way likely to have me show up? How would I rather feel about this? And what thoughts would I need to think to create that feeling? These questions should help you take a step back and zoom your brain out a little so that you can see more possibilities than just the automatic anxious story that your brain's honed in on. And this is where you can offer yourself a more rational thought that feels a hell of a lot better. For example, it's possible that my partner not texting me when he got in doesn't mean that he's cheated. There could be many reasons why he's not texting me that aren't him being unfaithful. He could have lost his phone. He could have run out of battery, been so drunk he totally forgot. He could have typed the text but not hit send. Allow yourself to see the alternatives for a moment. Now, your brain may still have some thoughts to deal with after this. So your brain may say, okay, yes, those things could be true. But what if it isn't any of those things? And what if it is that he actually cheated? 
And this is where you have to answer that question in an intentional way. Because leaving questions unanswered in your brain is the worst thing that you can do. Because your brain is subconsciously answering it in a way that is very painful. For example, if you ask, yes, but what if he has cheated? What you might be answering that with is, well, if that's true, then it would mean I wasn't attractive enough to keep hold of him. It will mean that I've never found anybody else. It will mean that there's something wrong with me and I'm unlovable. And those thoughts are what's so painful to you. Those thoughts about what you would make it mean if it were true. So answer the question, what if your anxious thought is true? What would that then mean? What would you make that mean about you or your future? Then you have to repeat the part where you question those thoughts just like you did before. Ask yourself, is that really true? Why would I make it mean that? What else could be true? What else could I choose to believe if it turns out that this is true? What would I intentionally like to make it mean about me and my future? How might my current story of what it would mean not be true at all? Would I say this was true for anybody else or someone else that I loved? Challenge that story. And again, direct your brain to thoughts that create the emotion you want to feel right now. Literally ask yourself, how do I want to feel in this moment? Is it secure, confident, compassionate, calm? And then consider, what would someone who genuinely felt that emotion be thinking? What is it that they would be believing? And brainstorm ideas, write them all down. Keep going until you find a thought that feels believable to you and useful. And from there, you'll find it so much easier to decide on what action you then want to take. And for some of my clients in certain situations, they want to take the action of having a calm conversation with their partner about whatever the issue is. Other times, there is no action that they want to take. Once they've dealt with the thought and feeling for themselves and they feel a lot calmer, they realize it's a non-issue. There's nothing to even talk to their partner about. So you get to decide. But taking action from your fearful, triggered, primitive brain without questioning what it's telling you is a recipe for disaster. And often it creates so much unnecessary arguments and disconnection. So those are five steps for when you're feeling triggered. Make a note of them somewhere or save this episode and come back to it when you need it. And most importantly, don't see your brain being triggered as a setback or a sign that you're doing this work wrong. You're not. You just have a very normal human brain and human brains are supposed to have a mix of positive and negative emotion and are programmed to have a negativity bias and look for evidence that proves their fearful beliefs true. It's what's kept us alive for millions of years and surviving as a species. Don't beat yourself up for these moments. Instead, use them as opportunities to get really curious about your own thinking and understand your own brain. Okay guys, that's all I've got for you today. I hope it was useful. And the next round of my group coaching program is in May. And when I open doors, there will be a 10% discount available for the first 24 hours. So I'm going to put the link for the waitlist in the information section of this episode. And I highly recommend you go and get yourself on this list. This program is where you're going to learn all about these tools and concepts that I teach on this podcast, but on a much deeper level. And you'll actually have my eyes and ears on your brain to help you apply them to your own unique life, your own unique thoughts and your own unique relationships. So it's going to be absolutely amazing. This current round is about halfway through and I'm so, so proud of how far everybody has already come. 
And as always, if you are loving this podcast and you haven't already, please can you go and give it a little rating on whatever platform it is that you are listening from. That would mean the absolute world to me and it will keep me reaching more and more people with this work. I hope you all have lovely weekends and I will speak to you all next week. Bye. If you're loving this podcast, you can also hang out with Rebecca on Instagram and TikTok at Rebecca or Coaching. Don't forget to sign up to her email list for exclusive freebies and for more information on her one-to-one and group coaching programs. 